This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tab. It is Thursday, the 2nd of March 2023. Today we're talking about Microsoft's latest updates and echolocation. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. And here we are once again, myself and Sean Priest. Sean Priest, wherefore art thou, Sean Priest? Oh, Romeo, that was amazing. Well done, <laughs> you, sir. That was very cultured for this time in the morning, and uh, well done. I'm impressed. Are you tired today? I am tired, yes. I must admit, I got a... Um, I'm going to say alarming phone call at some ridiculous time in the morning from uh, from yourself saying, right, come on, we're recording. Apparently you're up early and everyone else has got to be. I like getting up early. <laughs> so what happens is my wife goes out to work this morning about six o'clock and she always says the same thing when she leaves because she says to me about a thousand times leaving the house, right, just, just go back to sleep, just go back to sleep as I start milling around and annoying her. And she's like, yeah, no, no, just, why don't you just go back to bed? Why don't you just go back, get some sleep? You know, don't, don't, a, you know don't, 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 you don't have to get up, it's fine. That must be a universal wife thing. Yeah. That's what it's my always says to me. Get go lost. to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. <laughs> Three o'clock in the afternoon, go to sleep, go to sleep. Are you not in bed yet? Uh, You're so, not unconscious yet. Come on now. So she leaves and I'm just awake and I'm just lying there, I think, and the dog's staring at me and I'm like, okay, right, okay, we'll go downstairs, we'll let the dog do what the dog does. Mm-hmm. And the dog, Oof. I just think it's brilliant, just comes right back up to bed, right back up to bed, falls yep. asleep instantly, and that's <laughs> it. So place. I'm sitting there going, right now what? What do I do? And I thought, oh, I'm going to call Sean and do a show. Uh, yeah, I'll wake up Sean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, great. Well, uh, yeah, but- uh, hang on. Yeah. Wake up Sean. That's if I could get through to Sean. Right, okay. So for the first time... Welcome to your voicemail. Please leave a message after the tone. In the first time, as long as I can remember, I turned on Do Not Disturb last night. And of course, totally forgot about it. I was doing a a record. I was recording some video on my iPhone, turned on Do Not Disturb, and I always forget to turn it off again. And you know what? Didn't notice the difference. I was recording some video on my iPhone, and I put on (laughs) Do Not Disturb. What on earth were you doing? I'm uh, not a liberty to say, uh, personal life, but uh, no, uh, yes, wow. I apologise. I was, mind you, uh, uh, it was before 9am, which I'm going to say is the start of business hours. Is Sean of the Shed on OnlyFans? <laughs> is the Shed be. masquerading on there? <laughs> I don't know what that is, sorry. Five, five dollars if you'll open the door. Um. <laughs> this is dangerous, Stephen Scott. <laughs> Oh, what are we talking you know, about I, today? I actually remember there was, a, there was a story in the UK, well, maybe a year ago. I'm actually been two years ago, where because um, everything, as you know, is measured by the pandemic, right? And um, of course, I remember people being refused mortgages. A friend of mine's a, a real estate agent, and she was telling me that people were being refused mortgages if it was found they had been using OnlyFans. So if it was on their on their bank statement that they'd been paying for OnlyFans that they would not be allowed to get a mortgage. Oh, but hang on, hang on. Using or actually uh, no, a using. performer you know, like on. Su- subscribing, subscribing to it. Well, but that's not fair. How can that possibly have any justification? Well, that, that was my wrong take with on that. it. Because the argument was being made that, you know, if you're just throwing money away, and I'm thinking to myself, really? I mean, if you look at my KFC bill, 
You know, you yeah, might think exactly. that's more dangerous. My delivery bill is more than my mortgage <laughs> exactly. every month. That's ridiculous. Like, yeah, if you smoke, if you drink, yeah. well, 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 so who makes the moral decision on that? Boo, bang. Why, why is why is it that that's not okay? But like you say, if I have if I am spending an absolute fortune on food deliveries, that's fine. Yeah, because yeah. they're saying it's about managing money, right? They're saying, well, if you're not managing money, well, really. I mean, that's, to be fair, no. how you manage money, you know what. Um, disposable income you got left should be part of the mortgage application anyway. It, it doesn't matter what you're spending it on. Is do you, can you afford the the repayment? Surely that's it. Not what you're spending your money on. It's none of your business. I love that banks are making moral decisions for yes. us. Well done, banks. <laughs> exactly. You Thank know the, you. those wonderful people who you know do absolutely nothing weird or nefarious with their money, right? No, exactly. Yes, high morals. Yeah, unbelievable absolute nonsense. Anyway, they won't stop me. Mark's been in touch, not a flallow, um, but Mark Grossman has been in touch. He says, recently I tried listening to Double Tap. I like the word, tried listening to Double Tap on my Amazon <laughs> Echo. Face it. <laughs> Just couldn't bear it. <laughs> he says, uh, to my incredible surprise, I had no idea how Stephen actually sounds at 100% playback speed. <laughs> Normally, I listen to uh, the show on my phone at 150 or 175%. No offence, Stephen, but you sound much better at high speed. Well, thanks very much, Mark. Thanks very much, Mark. I really appreciate that, Mark. Thank you. No offence. Yeah. You sound better as a chipmunk than you do with your normal Thank speaking you, Mark. voice. Thank you, Mark. Um, God knows what I sound like. <laughs> Only dogs can hear me. Um, it's funny saying that, though. When, when I'm doing editing, I listen at high speed. And when you put it to normal speed, it sounds like everyone's talking yes. so slow. It's just what you become accustomed to. So, so I get that. I get that. Thank you for listening, Mark. Yeah, thank Welcome you for listening. To the show. And, you know, the, the interesting thing for me is I recently started doing exactly that. So, you know, I have, <laughs> for various reasons, started just double checking what we put out um, because, you know, we've had a couple <laughs> of interesting examples where things have gone wrong, uh, in particular, more recently... Uh, uh, my microphone sounding like it was off the scale in recordings, so that didn't help. So, uh, yeah. you know, things like that. You have to check these things, right? Yeah, after we record, obviously. Not, you know, do a test recording and then record the hour-long show. <laughs> no, 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 no. Do, wait till after the show and then check it. Go, oh, no, Where's we need to do that again. Where's the fun in that? No, no, well done. Well done, Stephen Scott. You're a maverick, sir. But what I've been doing is, because on the on everything we use or everything we do is in Dropbox, the Dropbox folder is on my phone. So I can just sort of go downstairs, do what I'm doing, and I can start playing the audio. And it has the option to play double speed, which is brilliant. So I can play double speed straight off the Dropbox app. And that's what I've been doing. And um, it's just really interesting listening to yourself, and not just myself, but the show back at that speed. And I can kind of understand why people do it. I actually quite enjoy it's hilarious. it. Well, no, it's because it doesn't raise the pitch. Oh, I see. Yeah, it just no, raises the tempo. It's the tempo, right? It's the tempo, not the pitch. Yes, that's right. It is. That, that's right. Yes, yes. So it's um, not the world's ending like that. It's not, you know. No, but it's not a Norwegian it, game show. It's it, it sounds a little bit choppy to me sometimes. It does depend on the app that offers the you know double speed or whatever. Yeah, but sometimes. It's like WhatsApp. I, I, you know, I have it at two speed for all the voice messages, but it can sound a little bit choppy. But hey, you get used to it. And there's so many podcasts and whatever to listen to. Sometimes you just need to. Otherwise, you can't fit it all in. Well, there's that, but also I think we're so used to you and I anyway, and, and I know many of our listeners are so used to listening to high speed voices. Yeah, and actually, there's a point where because I found this, I've, I've got eloquence on the Mac, and I find I'm still even now starting to speed it up again because I feel it's too slow. 
and I'm already mm-hmm. at about 60%. And I yeah. thought I maybe need to ramp that up to about 70 I don't really want it to be so fast. No, I'm I might kind just of having to second guess it. on everything. Yeah. Um, because a lot of places I go, I'm familiar with and I've been there before, so I know yes. sort of what I'm listening to. But if it's an email or something or a news story and I can't quite get it, then I will lower the speech rate. So- it's the one thing I don't like about the Mac versus the PC when it comes to Eloquence and indeed Screen Reader generally is that there's always just a little, and it's a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit of latency from pressing the key and getting the response. It's on a what? tiny on the Mac side. On the Mac, oh. and, and and what I find is sometimes, and maybe it's this is psychological, but sometimes you feel if you speed the voice up, yeah, it will no, you're right. quicker. Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, I get that. I speed up the um, uh, the TTS in the Echo. You know, you can speed that up as well. So it's surprising. Yeah, it's all down to our screen reader use. I think we we get, as you said, we just get used to that certain tempo. Mark says, "Great to hear Sean back." He says Stephen did Thank an amazing you, job while Sean was vacationing. He did. Okay, yes, you did. Well done. Did you enjoy your vacationing? Yes, it was a great trip. Hey! Hey! Well done. I'm back. Uh, He says, but great to have you both together again. Honestly, my favourite bit of the show is when you don't talk about tech. (laughs) Yeah, you're not alone. Yeah, you're not alone in that. Mark is in Miami Beach. How jealous am I? Oh, wow. How cool is that? Miami Beach, eh? I just hear music playing. I imagine sipping uh, um, yeah. things with umbrellas the in them. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> with a beach. straw. Um, <laughs> Kay has been in touch as well. Thank you, Mark, by the way. Really nice to hear from you. Uh, yeah. Kay has been in touch to say, hi, uh, your caller was correct regarding the Humanware Victor Reader stream and BBC content. In an interview, the dynamic duo from Humanware said that the BBC would not be supported on the second gen. At the time of the interview, they said it w- they were in negotiations with the BBC, so it would hopefully be on the third gen. They said the BBC has always been very cooperative. They couldn't say for sure that it would be on the new one, but they thought it would be. Like the caller, I am very upset. That, of course, being Narina, who got in touch with us earlier in the week. I have been in touch with Mathieu Paquette. I haven't heard back yet, but as soon as I do, I'll bring you the information and his response. I've also asked him to comment on a story which is developing today out of Microsoft. Now, this is an interesting one. So Microsoft have uh, or are issuing a new update for Windows Insiders. Now, Sean will explain this in beautiful terms. Um, if you're a Windows Insider, it means you're on the beta program, right? Uh, no, not necessarily. Um, they have different, I think they call it channels in the Insider program for Windows. Um, you have the I think actually there may be three, but basically there's the beta, which is the, you know, hold on to your hats. We don't know what's going to happen here to some degree. I'm exaggerating also a little bit. Also known as Windows. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Where, you know, this is purely a beta test. So you, you, you are taking a, you know, a bit of a risk. You acknowledge the risk. Then there's the preview build, which is the step after beta, which there are, you know, which is just pre-release. So it's less likely to have any issues, but you know, you still could have. So yeah, when it comes to the insider program, there's two levels there. So if you are slightly squeamish and squeamish about it, then you can still do the uh, preview channel, which um, is less likely to crash down and take your system down. Yeah, okay, well, there are features that are coming up in these channels. And these are not available publicly yet because you have to be part of, of that Windows Insider program to get these. So when you hear articles or you read articles that say things like, available now, and we'll talk about the phone link thing because, of course, there's big news there for iPhones and iMessage. But 
that it doesn't mean it's available on your computer today unless you're part of that Windows Insider. And I, I think it's important to say that because people might be, you know, getting in touch saying, well, hang on, I don't have this feature. Uh, but um, even if you are, let me just say, it's only a selection of people even inside well, right, that yes. Insider ring. It's not everyone because I'm running the preview on this computer all the time as well. So I'm always running the preview version of Windows and I don't have it. it it's only a s- selection. Well, one particular feature that stands out is Narrator now extending support for more Braille displays, which includes three new, as they call it, designed for surface displays from Humanware, specifically for Braille displays. Now, this is interesting because at first I thought this was Humanware and they had created some kind of certification for their displays. But actually, it's Microsoft who have deemed these displays designed for surface. And this is a categorization now being given to three Braille displays. We actually have a little bit more information about this from Humanware directly. I want to play that in because this might give us a bit more information as to what it's about. It's a little bit vague. I'll I'll be honest, it's a little bit vague. It's probably not going to help us too much, but let's listen in. This is a video from Microsoft uh, explaining the designed for surface displays from Humanware uh, certification. I started to learn Braille when I was nine years old. Braille serves me in everything I do. My name is Marise Legault. I am the blindness product owner at Humanware. I started to work for Humanware in 1994. I like to develop products that are accessible and that will be used by blind peoples around the world. The Humanware Braille devices are ultimately a screen for the blind. We supply three different Braille displays and they're now compatible under the Microsoft Design for Surface program. It's the way that we're extracting the text from a visual screen and displaying that in a braille way for someone who's blind, where a user can actually use these devices in their preferred medium. We are on a journey to help everyone across the spectrum of disability be more productive, which is why we are excited to partner with Humanware. At Microsoft, we believe that accessible technology is a fundamental building block that can unlock opportunities in every part of society. It's very important uh, to work with some blind people like me, testing the products and making sure that everything works well. An update is available for installation. I also consider myself a home cook and an entrepreneur. I love sharing my passion of cooking through live sessions on the web. I use the Microsoft Surface and my Brilliant 20 to interact with my audience and read comments. As a blind person, I'm proud to show that I'm able to cook by myself. I married my husband, Richard, and we've been together for 37 long, beautiful years. He's a professional musician. He plays the guitar. I help releasing his songs on the professional platforms online. I also helping promote them on the web. I use Word documents to keep lyrics and correct them. I also use an Excel file to track the song rights. Column 3, row 14. Item. Just believe we're in love. Using a Braille display and a Microsoft Surface allows me to do more tasks, to be more independent, 
more productive. There is no limit of what we can do as long as it's possible. And I think that if I can do it, anybody can do it. So that's uh, the kind of flowery video from Microsoft. Which... I like the 37 long years yeah. <laughs> of marriage. Long, long years. Yeah, I mean, with a guitar mix in there as well. It was interesting, right? And obviously they're, they're trying to showcase the breadth of talent. And this is for obviously for a wider audience than just us. This the, isn't The positives of Braille, right? The positives of Braille, but also how you know we use it. And I think that's the thing. So it's showing yes. that the, because there are many people who probably don't understand how the two click together. Many people, I think, out there don't even see the two connecting. Like, how does Braille work with a computer? Because, they, you know, people who know anything about Braille will know it's a touch, you know, it's a code you, you touch. So they'll it's be thinking, how does that, that work feel. on a computer, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, that's good that they're explaining that. And I think that's a good thing for sure. Um, but for us, we're trying to figure out out of all of that, right, what does that actually mean? Uh, because what is designed for Surface versus designed for any other computer? Okay, yes. I think we've got a bit more information in there, but I think think they're really, if I'm honest, it sounds to me like they're referring more to narrator than the device, the the computer. Uh, No, yeah, but even then... Okay, let me me say this before I start. Braille Display is fantastic. Humanware, great company. With that said, what? (laughs) What what design... The the problem I've got here is the Surface label. What's that got to do with anything? Yeah. Uh, wouldn't this push people to think that if you get a Braille display, hey, it works best, or it only works in some cases, people may think, with a Surface laptop or device. And that's not true. If this was um, certified for Windows or designed for Windows, absolutely fantastic idea. It, you know, it gives people the confidence, if I get this, I know it's going to work with my Windows laptop. But if you've got a Asus, a Dell, an HP, uh, whatever you've got, laptop are you going to think oh hang on i need a surface now maybe i'm i'm seeing you know i'm pushing too much onto that but this just seems like a a, a, a advert for surface devices doesn't it well it does to me yeah i mean it's it's in the name you know it's not yes. saying designed for microsoft or designed for windows it's saying designed for surface. surface so the suggestion is this is something which is for surface only or it's best with Surface, as you best say. With, yeah, maybe. Yeah, if we cut some slack there, yeah, best with Surface. And is that the case? And if it is the case, then we need more details of why. Yeah. Why is this specifically and a technical reason why this is better on a Surface device than any other Windows operating system? We've reached I, I, out to right. our human on this because when I got in touch with Matthew Paquette, I did also ask him to comment on this and also come on and, and talk about it. Maybe one of the. He has offered people from Humanware to come on before and talk about this. We'll reach out to Microsoft as well and try and get a bit more understanding about this. I mean, I, I kind of like the way they're going here. I just worry that yeah. the language gets mixed up a bit because if this is a, if this is a way of saying designed for Microsoft, but for whatever reason it's become designed for Surface, then they maybe want to think about that. Because to my I mind, this so. is confusing things. And I, I, I would not want anyone going away with the idea that their Braille display won't work with their HP laptop or their Dell or their whatever. Because yeah, that's not and true. It, and Surface devices are excellent devices, right? But they are yeah. more expensive. There's nothing to stop you getting a $500, $400 Windows laptop and using a, a humanware Braille display with it without any problems. The only thing I'm thinking about here is I, I know Microsoft and humanware obviously have a lot of work in education and not just humanware, other companies as well. 
in the Braille display market, they, they also involve an education because that truly is the place they have to be. Yes. Um, and I'm mindful of the Surface. Was it the Surface laptop? Was it the SE? Is that what it was called? The education oh, yeah. one? That's what I, you know what? I totally forgot about that one. But yes. I'm thinking, you know, that might be a good option for schools. I mean, again, education is it would be buying this in. So you're not expecting a, you know, a kid to go out and buy their own laptop and bring it to school. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know these days. Maybe they do. Um, the way things are going, who knows? But <laughs> I think that if education are buying in these kind of computers, then, you know, it's maybe good to have a certification like that because it puts a standard in place for education, even for the workplace potentially as well. So maybe that's what they're aiming. I don't know. But I think for individuals, I just think there maybe needs to be a bit more clarity. So that's why I want Humanware or, or Microsoft or both to come on and explain this to us. And yeah. we've reached out, as I say, to so- get them to do that. Design for Microsoft or design for Windows, absolutely fine. In fact, I'd love it to see, you know, with Braille Display saying design for iOS or design for Android or Mac or, or whatever well, it may be. keyboards are. I mean, if you think about it, you buy a keyboard, right? Because it's interesting. I was looking at this company called MaxiAids, which I've heard about before. It's a US yeah. company, uh, but they do ship around the world. And um, it was interesting because I was reading about a keyboard, just, you know, me and keyboards, obsessed with them. And <sighs> I found this keyboard on there. I don't think I've ever seen this kind of keyboard before. Uh, which is standard keyboards, QWERTY keyboard, but every key is labelled with Braille. So instead of an actual, you know, letter printed on it, it's Braille dots. And I think that's quite an interesting idea. I I don't know how useful that is. Maybe great for learning Braille or at least getting accustomed to the, the code. I don't know. But, I'm quite surprised that you're so surprised by this. Well, I've, to I've be seen I've seen cable um, label. What do you call it? Keycaps label. Yeah, it. yeah. You, know, you can just I, I, buy little I, stickers and put them on yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I've not seen an lots actual of them. keyboard. Yeah, but it makes sense, doesn't it? Especially oh, totally. if you're learn if you're learning to touch type, and you're you know you're proficient with Braille, then it makes total sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's a good way of of you know, especially for someone who like myself, who. You know, it's like I was thinking the other day, my, my, my wife's asked me to do something for a, a colleague. It's just a, a very simple thing on, you know, printed out on Braille. And um, I said, okay, I'll get the Perkins out and I'll do it. But then I'm thinking, it was, it was something I had to type. And I remember thinking all the letters I can do, and for some reason, Z is the one that always throws me. I don't know why. Oh, that's there's the always one, I, one or two letters that you have problems with. Yeah, Because if you're not doing, if you're not using it every day, and that's the mistake for me. Yeah, of course. You do fall away from it very quickly. And I'll be honest, I've even thought about my... Computers, so I thought. Well, hang on, I've got all these external keyboards. I'm thinking I could make one up and you know, just have all these keycaps, you know, with the the letter on it, just to give me that reminder every so often, because it does sink in eventually. But anyway, the point is that that keyboard was designed for Windows because it was a Windows keyboard. Um, there were other keyboards on the site that were designed for Mac, you know, so they were labelled and, and set up for Mac versus Windows. There are different keyboard layouts for that. So, you know, a company saying designed for Windows, designed for Mac, that's okay. And I feel that Braille displays could go the same way. You know, they could be designed for Windows and designed for Mac. But, you know, it's a bit mm. like in the, the days when they used to say, you know, works with iPhone, works with Android. You know, that kind of labeling, it helps people understand what they're buying. And I just think this this label confuses things a little bit for me. Because I would think, okay, so I can only buy a humanware Braille display if I buy a Surface computer to go with it. And that's no, that's not true. That's not true, yeah. Or you can only use a Surface display with a Braille display. And the fact we're device. confused about it, we're not going to be the only ones, <laughs> right? So yeah. this is why I think we need clarification on what that 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 means. Um, 
But I do, you know, and I, I do think it's good that Microsoft, are, and I think what's happening here, to be honest, is Microsoft are doing their bit to try and push Braille, which I think is good because Braille, if I'm honest, has always felt on the computing side a little bit lesser than. Now, I, I could be wrong on this because I don't work with Braille every day. So maybe someone who's using a Braille display every day at work might say, no, 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 Windows and, and, and Braille displays work really well together. They're fine. I don't know. You tell me. You're you're the expert. So if you're someone who comes on, who, who uses that, come on the show and tell us about it. If you're yeah. using a Braille display at work every day, come and tell us your experience. I know, though, from the phone side of things, anytime I ever look into a forum that talks about Braille and using a Braille display on an iPhone or an Android device, the results are so all over the place. It's it's okay. It goes from it's okay to it's the worst experience ever. Or, yeah. you know, you have to restart the Braille display 15 times, wink at your wife, and then, you know, hope it's Tuesday, and then it'll maybe all work. <laughs> Absolutely true. It, it, it's almost, uh, we we have so many complaints about, <clears throat> excuse me, about voiceover yeah. and the bugs that we find in there. And it's we're very vocal about it. But, uh, you know, I've read of, of Braille display bugs, and the, I think the notification in the last iOS update Go to notifications and you're stuck on the top oh, until yeah. you actually touch the screen and move and move focus. You can't uh, navigate away from it on a Braille display. I mean, come on, you know that's your notification screen, and there's lots of examples of that. And the Braille display users put up with a lot of those bugs lingering around for a long, long time. I hear a lot of Braille users who I hear more Braille users talk about that experience than I do about computers, which maybe is the answer to the question. Maybe it is the case that you know on a computer is, is better. Yeah. Um, but I do know that when I hear people talk who are Braille users and use Braille displays all the time with their phones, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're Android or iPhone. You know, one might be slightly better than the other, but generally there's a, let's just say there's there always seems to be a challenge somewhere. Um, and the problem is that it doesn't really matter if, you know, if you said, well, you know, oh, well, I, I have an iPhone and I only have one issue a week. That's still one issue more than you should have. So it's not like it's a better experience than someone who's Android who has two issues a week. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, it's yeah. still no, an I issue. Agree. Maybe um, it should be designed for a narrator, designed for voiceover, designed for talkback rather than actual systems. Because, I mean, if you just yeah, a Braille display on a Surface without narrator enabled or JAWS mm. or NVIDIA is different, but maybe we're, well, we're being I, too picky. No, I think that might be closer to where we're actually aiming here because it does say this functionality um, with narrator or, you know, these Braille displays working with narrator means it can help, you know, interact with, you know, the, the software better. So maybe it's something to do with the work they've done. And I have to say the language on this press release is a little bit flowery, but, you know, I get the impression yeah. that they're trying to say that essentially narrator will now work better with Braille displays. I think that's the bottom well, line. That's, yeah, that's good. Well, we're going to get to some of the news in a minute, which, which brings it up, right? Yeah, well, uh, well, that's, that is the main story, really. I mean, that is the main story. That's what's in this new... Uh, Windows update, uh, which is coming through. I mean, it does. I don't know how that necessarily works with humanware. I guess if you have a humanware Braille display, it will just continue to work, but maybe just yeah, get better yeah. functionality. It's not doesn't really matter the anything. make of the Braille display. What they're saying is they've made improvements to Narrator with all Braille displays. It's going to yeah. work better. It doesn't really tell us what it's done, but uh, yeah, hey, always welcome. Well, we'll get more on that hopefully soon. But uh, Microsoft also bringing access to iMessage on Windows through its phone link app. If you follow Paul Thorot on Twitter, he says, and who doesn't? No, and he says, no, it doesn't. So I don't know what. He's obviously <laughs> tried it. It's clearly not working for him. Uh, but he says, uh, it's a the, preview, Paul. Give him a chance. Well, that's right. There is a preview of the updated app, which is coming out for Windows Insiders. 
Uh, the phone link app allows iPhone users to connect devices to a Windows laptop or PC, and with the update, will let iPhone users send and receive messages via iMessage, make and receive calls, and see their phone notifications inside Windows 11. Uh, Microsoft is using Bluetooth to link Windows devices to iPhones, passing commands and messages to users' iMessage apps. This means you'll be able to message contacts that also have iPhones straight from your PC, but there are some limits. You won't be able to send pictures and messages or participate in group messages. Um, and there's a screenshot on this article that shows um, the, the the image of the phone link app and uh, PC users will be shown their message conversations in a simplified form. So I think it's like a grey bubble versus the blue or the or the, <gasps> the green one. Oh, I can't use it then. Forget it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not being a grey bubble. No. Yeah. You'll, you won't see full message history and conversations either. Only messages that have been sent or received using phone link will be displayed. Microsoft isn't using the blue or green bubbles, as I say. Um, the phone link integration, it says, is rather basic compared to what's available for Android, but Microsoft has never supported messaging or calls for iPhone users before. So that's the good news here. Um, it is bundled with Windows 11 and it's native uh, compared to alternative PC link apps we've seen from Intel and Dell. You might remember that one as well. They're, they're separate apps, but uh, they've done yeah. this, which is good. Yeah. No photo integration. Microsoft does offer iCloud's iPhoto recognition, uh, sorry, integration right inside the Windows 11 Photos app. Um, so th- there is a chance that may start to appear. But you know what? You know, tiny steps, right? It looks like, you know, the very this basic level fantastic. will be able to message and call. And do you know something? That was one of the things, as you know, I was trying WhatsApp and I still love WhatsApp. Yes. But, you know, can't do group calls on WhatsApp yet on the PC. On the PC. No, that's right. And I love the WhatsApp PC app. It's, it's so good. Not having to pick up my phone to quickly, you know, send someone a message or whatever. Um, audio messaging is fantastic. Calling, we've called each other on it. Sounds amazing. Yep. Works really well. So I love that. And this just takes it even further. If I get an iMessage, it will now appear on my uh, Windows computer. I don't have to pick up the phone and come away from the computer. Amazing. There are limitations there, obviously. Photos, videos you can't send, group chats. Um, could be slight. I think that's the most annoying thing for me. And I don't really understand why it can't have the entire history of the conversation because sometimes you want to go back and check on something. It must be an Apple thing, though. It must be Apple. Well, that's just what I was going to limitations. say. These, who do you think is putting these limitations in place? I don't think it's going to be Microsoft. I think it's going to be on Apple's side. And hopefully, you know, maybe they will get maybe they'll get lifted as we go on. Who knows? I hope so. But still, for me, this is massive news. I just hope the phone link app is um, accessible. That's my thoughts. Yeah, I can't can't wait to try it. I've never really gone down the route because I didn't have an Android phone to use it with and I wouldn't have Mm -hmm. used it with an Android phone just because I don't have one set up to use every day. I will obviously check it out with this and I will be very interested to see what comes of it. So that's available on Windows Insider Preview. It will come out soon on a PC near you um, if you're signed up to that. And if you're not, it will come out later, I guess, in the year. Um, if you want more information on those keyboards, by the way, just to mention the website for Maxi Aids, it's always good to give these guys a mention. M-A-X-I-A-I-D-S dot com. Maxi Aids, all one word, dot Com check out. Stick around. Up next, we're talking uh, all things echolocation following our chat with Juan Caprice earlier this week. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback 
at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. And I want to go back to a story that we covered on Monday. We had Juan Caprice, who was, uh, who is a blind mobility instructor, and he was on talking to us about echolocation. And I know you have a lot of comments you want to make on this, Sean. Absolutely. But you know what? We are not the most important people here, you know. Huh? Who said? Uh, Mr. F. Okay. Oh, God bless you, Mr. F. Well I've done. missed you. How is Mr. F? He's always better. He's better. Ah, oh, good. He was poorly in Vienna. Ah. Yeah. And you know, the, the thing is, as you well know, nothing's a problem until it happens to me. Yeah, of course. Uh, and I was starting to get a bit sniffly earlier yesterday, and I thought, you oh, were. no, yeah. no, 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 no. I Here we worried. go. And yeah. it's gone away. So there you go. Ah, oh, beautiful. Well done you. You're a prime specimen of manhood. I am. I tell you, not moving <laughs> is the answer to everything. It was that bucket of KFC that did it. It warded off the disease. I tell <laughs> a you, it's the KFC a day keeps the doctor away. Walking is the new dying. Oh, remember all these phrases. It's very important uh, you remember that. Other chicken places are available. Obviously. And sitting down is also an option. Uh, right. So let's. What are we talking about? Right. Let's move on because we want to talk about echolocation. Um, I feel we could do with some echolocation right now to steer us back. On Where track. are we? Um, yeah. This is this is an audio version of my life, basically. <laughs> lost on a fairly regular basis and very easily and always by my own doing. Uh, but yeah, on that topic, I want to bring in a voicemail from a friend of the show. Uh, that is Negative Julian. Oh, always a joy. Yes. Yeah. Well, he has something to say on this. Now, it's quite. he admits it's quite a long comment, but I think it's worth playing this in just to hear what he has to say on the subject of Juan uh, talking about echolocation on Monday's show. Here's his thoughts. Hello, Stephen, Sean, Laura, Mr. F, everyone else. Negative Julian here again. I've just been listening to the episode featuring um, Juan Caprice, I think is his name, about echolocation. And I find myself in two minds about it, pushed and pulled in different directions. On the one hand, he's obviously a very intelligent, capable, personable man, spoke well, good sounding bloke. And I admire his technique and his ability to get around with it. But in that same episode, you also spoke about blind people feeling inadequate, isolated, all that sort of thing. And I couldn't help but think that pushing the clicking technique without some reservations, without some scepticism about its wider application, was actually enhancing that. Although he's a very good bloke, one is beyond any doubt one of the super blind. And the vast majority of us, by definition, cannot be among the super blind. We're the average blind at best. So it worries me a wee bit. Um, a metaphor. Millions of people play football or just enjoy a kickabout in the park on a regular basis but they can never, never aspire to be part of their national team. They just can't. No matter how motivated they are, no matter how hard they train and try, they can't. They haven't got the skills. Does that mean that we don't admire them? No. I mean, people fork out lots of money to go to a stadium and watch them. Millions more cluster around TVs and watch them. We cheer them on. We admire the skill. We admire the talent. We say, go for it. And so on. And to me, the super blind are like that. 
we aspire to it, we admire them, but we know that the vast majority of us are never going to be like that. We 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 can't. Uh, and I think the same applies to this technique. And people shouldn't feel that they're inadequate if they can't do it. I can't do it. I've tried. I've tried very hard. And the net result was I walked into a lot of things. Um, I think some of that is probably my age. I'm 65 this year. Some of it is that I went from excellent eyesight to virtually no eyesight late in life, 2014 it was. And some of it is just at my age, my hearing isn't what it was. Undeniably, it's not what it was. Um, In particular, my left ear is definitely somewhat deafer than my right ear. Also, in recent years, I've been suffering from mild tinnitus. So no matter how hard I try, I don't believe I'll ever be any good at echolocation. I just won't be. And I think it's important to sort of stress that sort of thing that no one should feel inadequate if they can't do these things. People like Juan, I admire him. I really do admire the guy, and I, I wish I was more like him. But he is a tiny minority, I suspect, who can do this really well. I mean, it, it, it makes sense, really, because echolocation, it cannot be a new thing. It can't. People have been hearing echoes for as long as there have been people. For centuries, for millennia, people have been hearing echoes, and it must occur to many of them that Maybe if they clicked their tongues or clapped their hands, they could use this as a way of finding their way about. Even fully sighted people sometimes find themselves in the dark, in a cave, in a cellar, or just getting up in the middle of the night to go and have a pee. If this was a skill that a significant proportion of the population could pick up and use, they would. They'd been doing it for centuries. We would have heard about it. So I can't prove it. I rather suspect this is a skill that only a tiny minority of people will ever actually be any good at. So anybody listening to that and think, why can't I do that? Don't worry about it. It's really not something you should worry about. I mean, yes, I took his point about feedbacks, feedback through the white cane. It's incredibly important feeling that vibration the rough surface the uneven surface the smooth surface the grass whatever tells you a lot and just basic sound when i get up in the morning one of the first things i do is turn the radio on not necessarily because i want to listen to it but because i know where the radio is it gives me a point of reference in the room i I know that the sound's coming from over there and it helps me fix my position. But that obviously isn't echolocation. That's a far higher level of skill, and one which I am quite sure I will never acquire. So there you go. I think I made my point. One other thing before I go, though, is there any scientific research on this? What proportion of people can actually do this to a high level? And is there a difference between... Those who are born blind or went blind very early in life and those like me who had good sight and then went blind very late in life. And then again, people like Stephen and Sean, whose sight has gradually faded away. 
intuitively, I feel there must be a difference because surely the infant brain, malleable as it is, must adapt better, reshape itself better to learning a skill like this than a tired, clapped out old brain like mine. So it would be very interesting if there has been any scientific research. And if anybody knows about it, I'd love to hear. But I've uh, rattled on enough. So for now, I'll say goodbye and good luck to everybody. Cheerio. Oh, thank you for that negative, Julian. Really appreciate that comment. And, you know, it was a bit longer than we normally play in, but I think it was important to hear all of his points because there are a number of things in there. Um, As ever, Julian, uh, amazing, amazing uh, contribution there. And i got to say, everything that I wanted to say about the interview you did there, Stephen, with Juan, I think was covered absolutely by <laughs> Julian. Absolutely. Again, I seem to be making a lot of prefixes here. Let me just say this. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to accuse Juan of, in any way, trying to put anyone down at all. I don't think so. I, like Julian said, I thought he was uh, amazing. Absolutely fantastic. The, the, the work that he does in so many countries around the world, absolutely fantastic. But I will say this as well. I did slightly feel that um you know i said echolocation to me seems like magic and again i'm not entirely sure that everyone could use it at one point he was mentioning about you know using the volume of clicks because you said you don't want to be going around clicking really loudly and drawing attention (laughs) to yourself all the time (laughs) absolutely right and he said no you can do different levels and he did a, a low level clicker and then he said, you know, I can use that to see what object, see, to locate objects, you know. Well, it is to one, see. Yeah, it is to see. Well, yeah, okay. One or two feet uh, radius around me, and, and I can locate objects on this tabletop. And I thought, can can you? That, I mean, that, that's, I'm not saying he can, but I'm saying I, I couldn't do that. I actually tried a few times after that. But I think the point here is, can it be taught to everyone, which is what Julian brings up? It, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not convinced it can be. Um, and you asked at one point, I think you touched on this, you know, about teaching it to people. Mm. Um, but I, I'm not sure we got a, a definitive answer if, if it is actually teachable to everyone. I don't know. Well, look, someone who teaches it for a living will probably tell you that it's possible to teach most people, right? I mean, I think that's fair to say. Uh, as you know, there, I think there will always be people who won't take to it. And I made that point as well in the interview about people who just can't click their tongue. You know, sometimes yes. I've tried it and it sounds like I'm eating mushy peas. <laughs> you know, that doesn't work. So, yes. you know, there's, there's that aspect to it as well. But I think, you know, one thing that really stood out was was the point that Julian made at the beginning around the comment of the super blind. Now, I've used, I've been using this phrase a lot as well. I found I used this phrase a lot when I was very angry about being blind. Yes, it, almost in a derogatory yes. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not absolutely. always intentionally that way, and certainly looking back on it, sometimes I maybe overused it in places where I shouldn't. But I think that there is a category of super blind, and I don't actually see that as a negative, to be honest. Now, looking back on my comments, I do think there is a super blind group of people out there. There's not many. And I think, like everything in life, like most people in life, there are people who can do amazing things, people who can skateboard, people who can ride a bike, people who can do a lot of things other people can't do. And I think this is just one skill that's like that. And I think we have to be careful in our community that anybody who seems more capable than someone else, we don't instantly assume that they are in a better place than we are. 
because it's a it's the appearance of confidence. Now this is no this is no slight on Juan and the work he's done. Juan is a great guy, and yes. I'm so glad there's people like him out there who are Absolutely. teaching this because that's fantastic. And he works with Daniel Kish, who of course is the most well known for the story of echolocation, the, the person who kind of brought it to life in documentaries and programs on TV, and someone who really can promote the use of it. And I have to say, I don't feel anyone is um, I don't feel anyone is out there kind of like preaching this. I don't get that impression. I mean, certainly not Juan's case. He just he, he was just saying, no, absolutely "This is not. what I do. This is my job." But look, I do think, but I do think we have to be careful because there is a there is a there's a sense in our community sometimes where, and I get this. I used to get it a lot from, and it was funny because whenever I hear people talk about ableism, I hear mm-hmm. a lot of people talk about ableism these days. And sometimes I think the word is overused. It's used in places where it shouldn't be. But I think it's a new word and it's like a new toy. Once people have it, they start playing with it. <laughs> um, and I think that's part of it. But I also sometimes feel that ableism does not just, for me anyway, doesn't always come from outsiders. It comes from inside the community. And there are a lot of people out there who like to tell you that Juan is not one of them. I'm making that very clear. He's not the one I'm talking about here. But there are people out there who will essentially look down on you for not having certain skills as a blind person. Yes. Other blind people do that to other blind people. I mean, you know, we all know about the blind people versus the partially sighted people thing, right? Where uh-huh. blind people will love to, you know, it actually irritates me beyond belief sometimes because I hear blind people say, oh, you've got some vision. Oh, well, you know, partially sighted. You're not blind enough. Yeah. You're not blind enough. And that yeah. really irritates me because these are the same people who clearly have got a chip on their shoulder about being blind, but at the same time are telling you how much better their life is than yours. And I don't understand how those two extremes cross at all. I don't understand that. You know, it sounds to me like there's a massive lack of confidence out there and we need to just talk about it. Isn't you know? it interesting, though, that these are the issues that come up from that simple interview? And as mm. we've all said, all, you know, Julian, me and yourself, uh, Wan came across as a fantastic fella, right? So yeah. he hasn't said anything at all, which in any way was putting anyone no. down. It's not about Wan, but it brings up these... These issues that we've all sort of faced, in my case, a sense of insecurity. You know, my mobility now is so much worse than it ever was. I've, basically, I've got no vision now. And um, when I'm out and about, you know, Wan mentioned walking with elegance and confidence um, and how how that makes such a difference. And when I'm out there, I don't or very rarely do I feel like I'm walking elegantly with my head held high. I no. feel clumsy and slightly nervous. I, you know, I, I don't I don't know. Is that designed to make me feel bad? Is that just my insecurities, which I 100% think it actually is? That's 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 you know myself making myself feel that way. So, yeah, I don't know. It is a tricky one. I just feel what I'm taking away from it is that echolocation I think is a is a great tool. I just I'm like Julian not 100% sure how many people can actually use it. You know, the sense of anxiety I face on a daily basis now is beyond belief. I I was never, ever an anxious person on any level. Someone you know, because you met me on a number of occasions way back at the beginning. You're like a bulldozer when you're outside. When I first met you, I held onto your shoulder and we you just guided me everywhere, just barreling through. I couldn't keep up with you. And that was because, and I realise this now, because I had enough vision to allow me to get going somewhere and let the cane yeah. take the rest. And I could kind of trust. I had both to kind of lean on. You know, it was a 50-50 deal. Yes, yeah. Whereas the less, the, the more that goes towards the cane and the less from the vision, 
that is when things get scary. Now, it was interesting because being at the Zero Project conference, it was interesting because, of course, you're, you're surrounded by disabled people. And in a way, that kind of comforts you because you feel that it doesn't matter what you do because they'll understand it. You know, and even if people who don't have blindness, people who are wheelchairs or, you know, different disabilities, whatever it is, they'll kind of get it. They'll go, okay, yeah, he's blind. That's this, that's him. That's the way it is. There's like an understanding built into that. Absolutely. Whereas in the real world, when you're in the airport and, you know, you walk into someone or you do something silly or you, whatever it is, it, everything, yeah. the amount of thoughts that race through my mind. And it was interesting because obviously hearing about echolocation, like I was trying to find the coffee. I was in the, the, the lounge at the airport. I thought I was told someone would come over and, and help me out, but to get a coffee, and they didn't. So I thought I'm not going to sit here all day. I want yeah. a coffee. And sometimes, you know, you ever, you ever feel that way? Sometimes, where you feel like you're just a little child, and you have to sit and wait for mummy to come. Yeah, and fix absolutely. Everything? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, it's, and if you dare to stand up and move, someone yeah. will come along and shout at you. You know, <laughs> why are you moving? Their What's mind? wrong? Yeah. And you just think, oh god, so I, I, enough's enough. And that's what's building up in my head. So you're building all this up. And then I'm standing, what I think is where the coffee bit is, and this lovely woman comes over and, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm just looking for a coffee. I said, a latte if possible. Oh, you have to come up here. And I said, where's here? And she said, oh, you have to. And then she proceeds to walk away, but she's obviously you know, showing me where she's going, but yeah, she's walking yeah. away. And yeah. she's kind of, I'm over here. And I'm thinking, why Why do I need to walk there to get a coffee? Why can't you just say, yeah, no problem. I'll get you a coffee and I'll bring it over. Because that's what you. That's what she did anyway. But, you know, I, all this I, nonsense I, that has to go along with it. And you just think, oh, come on. And, you know, then, yeah, of course, you have to sinks. try and... Yeah, and you just think, I just want to, I don't want to curl up and die here. I just want to, you know, go home. I've had enough. You know, it doesn't take much. And it's interesting when you come back, and, you know, for the first few days, I was really tired when I came back home. And I thought, why am I so tired? And, you know, friends who are sighted would say, oh, that, that our, you know, time difference must really make a difference to your body clock. And I'm like, that's not the reason I'm tired. <laughs> it's concentrating 24-7. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. That's I mean, what working anyway. I've been working there and doing all the work I had to do. I had voiceover screaming in my ear for the best part of three days. You know, I had interviews constantly. Then I had to navigate. Then I had to do this. Then I had to do that. Every aspect of that trip requires about four or five times the level of concentration. Now, if I had echolocation in my life, would have that been easier, possibly? And then I suppose, when, and maybe this is where Julian's comments come from, you hear someone come along and say, well, I, you know, click my way through my life and, uh, you know, everything's great. And then you kind of feel well, all that anxiety is somehow unnecessary. You know, yeah, if I was just better cheerful. at this. Yeah. You know, I'd be, I wouldn't, and I'd, and that's not what Juan's suggesting. And also, to to Julian's point about age, yeah, as as Julian said, as as sorry as as Juan said himself, it's about kids. If kids get this in their brain, like everything else, and I feel exactly the same way about Braille. I'm talking yes, earlier about the challenges absolutely. of Braille. It's the same thing. If I had all that in my head as a kid, even if I never used it for ten years, like I did with grade one when I was learning it at school, I was able to pick it up really quickly. Like grade yep. one almost came back to me instantly. And that's the case. If you get kids in with this stuff, then it, it would make it more possible. I think, though, it's not something that is used widely. I, I don't hear about it much in the UK. I hear pockets, maybe the odd person talk about it. Um, I don't know whether that would be taught. So I don't think it's taught in the UK, m mobility scene. I mean, I think it's hard enough to get mobility training in the UK <laughs> as it is. I'd be really people. interested to hear from any O&M trainers out there. Yeah, that I do mean, use it. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because you you ask about um, you asked about research and, and scientific research. I, I did a quick Google on it, Julian, and the first article that came up 
was from National Geographic talking about it, and in particular talking about how this, as it says, from beluga whales to bats and to humans, uh, many animals make sounds that bounce back from objects to help with navigation and hunting. And that is exactly uh, what echolocation is. Nature's built-in sonar is what they call it. And uh, there's an interesting article goes into detail. I think the funniest bit about the article is there's a pop-up at the bottom of the screen. Oh, God. And the pop-up says, you know, you can you have three free articles left this month. You can read this one and then you can get more. It then says below, and I'm not kidding you, exploration is just a click away. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I'm Very just going to, at the website, I'm going... <laughs> but it's not giving me any more articles, so there you go. Thank you, National Geographic. Ah. Um, but anyway, interesting comments. I'm sure many more will follow. That was a really interesting message from you, Julian. And I really thank you yeah, for, absolutely. for sending Amazing. that into us. Uh, I want to mention one more story, if I can, because um, as you know, uh, I am into my music from time to time. Well, you say music, but yeah, country and western. Yep. It's not country and western, it's country and western. Yeah. And a bit of Western as well. Uh, but yes, apparently you can... <laughs> I, I used to be a radio DJ, right, in my previous life. and um, Still are. You, no, 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 this isn't DJing. And the days when I used to, you know, play the hits. Oh, Number I see. one and all that rubbish, oh, right? So um, here's Rihanna's latest dirge or whatever it is. Oof. And, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I used to do all that. Well, the good news is... Uh, that my career is over uh, in that regard. The bad news is if I was in that job, um, I, would be, I would be out of it anyway, because <laughs> Spotify has just announced a new feature, Spotify DJ. Do you want to hear it in action? This is Oh, yes. This is essentially what you're going to get nowadays. If you use Spotify, you can use this new DJ, DJ function that will speak over tracks and give you a sense of, of the music you're playing, and also pick a playlist for you. So it's like your own personal radio station and personal DJ. Let's have a listen to how it works in action. Hey, Max, what's going on? I'm X, and from this moment on, I'm going to be your own personal AI DJ on Spotify. Let's go. Up next, I know you've been on a summer song kick lately, so I went back for some of your old summertime favorites. See if it warms you up. Next up, some of the music you had on a lot back in 2018. All right, Max, let's get you out of your feels and switch up the vibe. You've been into dance music lately. I got this brand new release to get you moving. Introducing DJ, the best of Spotify made just for you on Tap Away. Powered by AI, delivered by me, your very own DJ. That's the future. <laughs> one tap away. Um, yeah, all the great things about DJs that we love when they talk over the, the, yeah. the music. Fantastic. <laughs> Can't think of anything better. i got to say, though, that was quite impressive. I don't know if I'd use it because, of course, we already have these you know, personalised playlists and you know play my favourite songs, and it, it does all this in the background. But the new thing about this is giving a voice to that. And I thought, actually, that voice worked really well. Um, I don't know how often I would actually use it, but it's, it's cool technology, right? It is based on a real person, the voice anyway, uh, Xavier X. Jernigan, who's the head of Spotify's Cultural Partnerships and host of the Get Up podcast, which is a daily morning show about pop culture, 
gives listeners and also oh. gives listeners a personalised playlist as well. Lovely uh, voice. Interesting story. Uh, our careers are slowly disappearing. Once they start yeah. uh, programming artificial intelligence to be stupid, we are finished. Shonkies. We're out of here. Yes, indeed we are. Thank you for listening. We're back tomorrow. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. Uh, you can also uh, get in touch with us by leaving a voicemail, one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven. Find us on social at Double Tap On Air. And we're on YouTube as well for TV. Check us out there as well. We're back tomorrow. Marco Flalo joining us to round up Mobile World Congress Ooh. in Barcelona. That finishes tomorrow. We'll get all the deets from a Flalo. That's me <laughs> doing my DJ bit. Uh, catch you tomorrow. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.